Hey, my name is Ryan McVitie, and I am the pastor of the River Worship. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. If you haven't heard about the river yet, it's an amazing move of God happening in the greater Toronto area. Yes, Toronto, Canada. It's a cold place, but we have warm hearts, and we love coming together every Tuesday night and worshiping the Lord with all we've got. We also get to dive into the Word, and that's where we're going to go right now. We're going to dive into the Word of God, and I trust and pray that it will impact you in a powerful way. If you're ever in the Toronto area, come visit us. We would love for you to worship with us together. But enjoy the message, and God bless you. I was stretched. That's right. That's good. And it's not an excuse. It's not an excuse for the way you behaved, for the way I behaved. But I'll tell you, when you're stretched, when you're being pulled different directions, you will say things, and you will do things, and you will hurt people and you will make mistakes that you would not make if you were not so stretched. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about being stretched. Y'all, I am turning 35 years of age this year. That is officially old. I don't know why you're clapping. I'm not celebrating it. 35 is by all standards old. Well, let me, I was having this discussion earlier. Do you know that old is a subjective term? Because the 25-year-olds in the room are going, he's 35, yo, this guy is old. That's crazy. And the 45-year-olds in the room are going, 35, he's young. What's he talking about? Old is 55, not 35. And the 55-year-olds in the room are going, old is 65. It's not 55. And it goes on and on and on, and we could do it all night. But what I've come to learn is old is a subjective term. (laughs) It's a subjective term. But getting old, my friends, is not bad. I mean, have you considered the alternative to getting old (laughs) recently? It's not good. I mean, old is the goal. That's where we want to get. And I tell you, I've been, I've been, some people play checkers and some people play chess. I have been working on old people's stuff at 35. I've been learning how to golf. I've been learning how to lawn bowl. See, I'm getting good at all this stuff while I'm young and I got legs. So when we're all old, I will be destroying you at all of those things because you waited till you got old. I've been doing it from now. Anyways, that has nothing to do with the Word of God tonight. The Word of God tonight is about feeling stretched. Who in this room? Let's get honest. Come on, honest people. This is church. Who? Look at the hands are going up already. Who feels stretched? I mean right now, not like way in the past, who feels stretched? Yo, that does not surprise me one bit. In 2024, man, if I was to put one word on the state of us as a nation, I would say we are stretched. And I'm not talking about the good kind of stretch. You know, at 35, I'm a sportsaholic. I play every sport. I love sports, basketball, soccer, hockey. I love them all. I play them all. Um... I've learned at 35 that I need to stretch before I play. I mean, when I was 25, I would crush a Big Mac, a triple thick chocolate milkshake, and run on the basketball court five minutes later, no problem. At 35, if I was to do that now, it'd be real messy, real quick. 
I've learned the value of stretching and preparation, but, but I, I spend a good 30 minutes stretching before I play a sport, because if not, I will leave on a stretcher. I promise you that. I've learned the value of being stretched, but that's not the type of stretching we're talking about tonight. That's, you know, that's on the surface a good, a minor inconvenience in order to stay healthy and to be able to keep being athletically relevant, which at 35, you kind of stop being athletically relevant. I'm coming to terms with that now, and I'm getting slow. But anyways, uh, this is not my counseling session. This is the river, and this is church. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get into the Word of God. Um, we're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 13, but before we do, I'm going to give you a little context. 2 Kings can be a very confusing book of the Bible. There's a lot of names. There's a lot of judges. There's a lot of kings, a lot of things going on. We're talking about a king today named Jehoash. Look to your neighbor and say, Jehoash. Any pregnant ladies in the room? I'm pretty sure it's an available name. Jehoash. This is a king of Israel, not Joash, who was another king of Judah at the time. This is King Jehoash, and he's at war he is stretched thin. He is under the oppression of an enemy of Israel named Aram. Aram is modern-day Syria, where you may know Syria as today. So this is the context for the Word of God that we're going to get into, and then we're going to find how this Word is applicable to our life. Because let me tell you, the Word of God, my friends, is not just an old, dead document. It is applicable to your life today. Amen? Amen. The Word of God never returns void. It's not just some old history book. It is relevant for you in February of 2024. So let's get into this. 2 Kings chapter 13. If you brought your Bible, open it up, turn it on, boot it up. We also have a giant TV behind me, so you'll be okay if you didn't. 2 Kings 13 verse 15. Elisha, who was a prophet, not Elijah, Elisha said this, get a bow and some arrows. Look to your neighbor and say, get a bow and some arrows. We're going to war. Yeah, that's what's happening tonight. Get a bow and some arrows, and he did so. Take the bow in your hands. When he had taken it, Elijah put his hands on the king's hands, okay? So God is sending the prophet Elisha to come and be with Jehoash during this battle. And God is speaking through Elisha, and he's telling the king, get a bow, get some arrows, and then the prophet puts his hand on the king's hands, on the bow and the arrow. And then he says, verse 17, open the east window. Shout, east window. Okay, you're in the east part of the GTA. I feel like this is relevant, all right? Maybe it's a stretch. We'll find out. Open the east window, he said. And what did he do? He opened it. And then Elijah shouted, shoot. And he shot the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram. Elisha declared, you will completely destroy the Armeans at Aphek. This is good, okay? This is a word from the Lord that Jehoash has been waiting for. He's been stretched thin. And then he said, take the arrows. And the king took them. He's obedient. Elisha told him, strike the ground. He struck it three times, but then he stopped verse 19, the man of God, Elisha, the prophet, was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram completely. You would have destroyed it completely, but now you will only defeat it 
three times. That's the word of God that we're going to get into today. Let's pray real quick and do that. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it never returns void. Give us open eyes, open ears, and open hearts that you may speak to us in a new way today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, amen. Amen. Okay, so I got to just break this word down for you because it's powerful, and there's so much that we can learn from it. But before we get to that, I got to just I got to just put a couple things in context. When you decide to follow Christ, okay, when you accept him as your Savior and your Lord, which means you're going to follow him, there is something that happens. You become enlisted in a war, a war that is raging. When you decide to press towards the mark of God, as the Apostle Paul puts it, which is Christ Jesus, you enter into a war, and you get two targets. Look to your neighbor and say, two targets. Look to the different neighbor you've been ignoring this thus far in the service and say, two targets. Two targets. You get two targets. Enrique, are you there? Come on out. Give Enrique some applause. He'll be helping me out tonight. So uh, that right there is target number one okay? You get two targets. You get one target that is ahead and before you, and that target is Christ Jesus. That is our mark, to try to follow him, to try to be like him, to try to love people the way he loved people, to follow him with all our heart and all our soul. That is the first target you get when you declare Christ as Lord and you follow him. That's a good target. Amen? We all want that target. But there is another target that you also get. Enrique, come on up here and do your thing. What are you going to do? Thank you. This is a baggy hoodie to hide my body fat. And that is a target literally on my behind. You get a target ahead of you, and you get a target behind you. Why do you get a target behind you? Because the minute you decide to set your sights on that target, you, my friends, become a threat to the enemy. You become a threat to Satan. He now has to worry about you. Before, when you're not marching to that target, if you're rolling over here, he doesn't have to worry about you. You're not a problem to him. But as soon as you start going over there, You know, Malik and Jonathan, y'all shouldn't have stayed because now I'm going to use you. Give it up for Malik, our drummer right here. This guy's incredible. He's 19 years old. I think he's the best drummer in Canada. It's insane. Malik, only for representative purposes because as amazing as you are, you're not this amazing. You are going to represent God and his son, Christ, over there, okay? Give it up for our music director, Jonathan, over here. He's the guy who makes so much of this happen. You, sir, got the short stick today. This side is going to represent the enemy. We'll just say the enemy. And hey, you know what? He's a worship director. You know what Satan's original job was? He was a worship director. I'm just saying. Pastors, we know. We know. Sorry, John. You're amazing. This is illustrative purposes only. Okay? But when I'm marching this way in my life, no target. He says, come on over, come visit with me, come to my keyboard, no problem. But soon as I start marching towards this path, there is a target on my back. Here's the bad news, friends. I know you came for a good time worshiping the Lord. Do you know that there is a target on your back? 
Because you have decided that Christ is your Lord and you are going to move towards him. There is now a target on your back. So look to your neighbor and say the first thing, I'm aimed. You're aimed at the mark, which is the prize, the high calling of Christ Jesus. Say, I'm aimed. aimed. That means you're following him. Amen. But also say this, I'm aimed at. Yeah, that one's not as encouraging. I knew you wouldn't say that one as loud. You're also aimed at. My goal as a preacher is to give you the whole truth, the whole gospel, not just the little bit that makes you feel good when you leave here. You are aimed, amen, praise the Lord, hallelujah, but you are also aimed at. And when you move to that mark, my friends, here's what you need to know tonight, that you must learn to expect resistance. You must learn to expect stretching. You must learn to expect that the enemy is going to come for you and has a target on your back. It's dangerous preaching when we teach people in the church that the closer we get to the target of Christ Jesus, the easier our life will get. That is dangerous preaching, my friends, and it's not the gospel. Do you know what this world did to Christ Jesus? First, they praised him. One week later, the same people who said, Hosanna, 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 said, kill him, kill him, kill him. Then they put him up on a cross and they executed him. And then they put him in a tomb to rot. Thank God we know the rest of the story. He didn't stay there. He robbed the keys to death, hell, and the grave and defeated it forever. Amen? But that's what the world did to him. Even those who loved him denied him. I don't know him. Jesus, no, I don't know him. Third time, I don't know him. His most devout follower three times. So, When we believe, y'all, this is uncomfortable. I'm taking the target off, okay? I'm still following Christ. I still got the target on my back, but I'm taking it off. You got to understand that when you move closer to that target, you are going to be treated more like Christ. And we know what they did to him. So it's dangerous preaching when we tell people the closer you get to the mark of being like Christ, the easier it's going to get. And it's not what the Bible says. Here's what the Bible says, and you should take comfort in it because it's the whole truth. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 and 2 warns you. It warns us. It warns me. It says, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. Amen. Give the Lord some praise for that. He has redeemed you, and you do not have to fear. That is the truth, but there's more to the story. I have called you by name, and you are mine. Amen. But... When you pass through the waters, that doesn't sound easy, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you, but you're still going to pass through them. When you walk through the fire, excuse me, (laughs) did you say walk through fire? Uh, The preacher didn't tell me that when uh, we did that prayer to accept Jesus Christ. What do you mean walk through the fire? Yeah, prophet Isaiah, he says, when you walk through the fire, You will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. But notice, nowhere does it say that you will not be met with resistance, that you will not be stretched. My friends, resistance in this life when you follow Christ is to be expected. In fact, I love it said this way, the birthmark of a believer is resistance. Soon as you are born again, you start feeling resistance from your family, 
from friends who don't get it, from employers who don't understand it. The target gets placed on your back, and the closer you get to this mark, the more intense the attack comes on this mark, which is you, which is your back. Any football fans here? Who, who likes football? Could be American football or the real football, soccer, either one. Um, the Super Bowl happened a couple weeks ago. Who watched that? Apparently Taylor Swift won a Super Bowl. What the heck? That's totally not true. She didn't. The Kansas City Chiefs won it. Um, it was the most watched sporting event in North American history. It was pretty popular, um, probably due to Taylor Swift, which is pretty sad for the NFL. But it's, it's, it was a great game. It went to overtime. And if you ever watch football, let me ask you a question. This is some interactive preaching. If this beautiful runway is the line of scrimmage, and I try to advance the ball forward, what am I going to be met with? Resistance. Resistance of 11, 260-pound jack, steroid-filled, wink, wink, not steroids, no way, men who want to kill me for advancing that football. When you advance the football forward, you get met with attack after attack after attack. But you know, in football, also the only path to victory is what? To move the ball forward, to get a first down, to get a new set of downs, to make it all the way to the end zone and to score and put points on the board. But when you move forward, you'll be met with resistance. In football, if I was hiked the ball and I turned around and started running this way, to wonderful Christian music director Jonathan, who represents Satan right now, right here. If I started doing this, they wouldn't meet me with resistance. They would help me. They would push me to the other end. This is what happens in your life, my friends. You've got to understand this. When you start pressing the ball forward and moving towards the mark, the enemy gets angry, and he starts to fear you. You are now a threat to him. But when you are running from Christ, you're not a threat to him. That's where he wants you. Carrying the ball forward hurts. Following Christ further, my friends, hurts too. It's not sexy preaching. It's not clappy, clappy stuff, but it's the truth. And you got to know it. But here's the thing. I want to shift your perspective today. Because we are taught and conditioned in this life that resistance is a bad thing. Resistance is not always a bad thing. In fact, if you work out and you go to the gym, the only way you get stronger is through one word, resistance. By stretching, by stretching a muscle all the way to its point of failure. That's the way that you grow the most. And we have to understand this because we so often in our lives identify stretching stressful seasons where it feels like we're being pulled by our employer and being pulled by our family members and being pulled by our program in college and university and high school and we're stretched every direction and it hurts and we feel like we're just gonna snap we're so taught to believe that that stretching is only bad and that it can never be good but what i want to tell you to tell you today is that almost always advancing towards the cross requires stretching. It requires the tolerance against resistance. So would you look to your neighbor? You said, I'm aimed already. Say, I'm stretched. Yeah, and before your hand went up because you're admitting you're stretched, but you're not stretched without a purpose. You're stretched for a purpose. Resistance and the stretching 
is evidence of progress. It's evidence of achievement. When you see the enemy attacking you in your life, I don't want you to dread that. I want you to go, baby, I'm leveling up. If I'm making the devil mad, I'm doing something right. And I'm going to keep marching forward. That's where we have to get to, my friends. Resistance is the precursor. It's the prerequisite. It's the preparation for flight. A plane doesn't take off without air resistance. It's the only way a plane can go into the air. Progress only comes by stretching. Tonight we're going to learn to look at that season as an achievement instead of a setback. Resistance is the precursor. It's what gets you towards the target. So let me show you what I mean. Enrique, oh my goodness, you teleport. You're over there. Wow, give it up for Enrique again. What you got there, man? Oh, Second Kings, I told you there was something pretty relevant. Take a bow and an arrow. This is going to get interesting because I just so happen to have a bow. Yeah, Hunger Games, anyone? A bow, right? And I got a whole bunch of arrows right here. And I want to show you something because, you see, God taught the king, Jehoash, through a prop. He taught him through a bow and an arrow. Jesus, when he taught, he used parables. Sometimes they're helpful for us to understand different things. And in verse 16, what happens? Elijah says, take the bow in your hands and what? Shoot. Take the bow in your hands and shoot. God tells us the same thing, right? He tells us the same thing. Get up and go do it. I'll be with you. Yea, you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Fear no evil, for I am with you. He tells us the same thing. But I want to show you through this illustration that Elisha, at the instruction of God, gave to the king. I want to show you something. When we pray as Christians, don't get stressed out, okay? I won't be aiming this at you. Okay, this is not going to end up as a YouTube episode. There are, there are rubber uh, stoppers on the end of this arrow, so we're all safe. We'll just kill your apprehensiveness right now, okay? But I want to show you something. The way we pray to God is, God, bless me. God, open that door for me. God, push me on to new things. Expand my horizons. And that's fine. I'm not saying that's a sin. That's fine. It's, it's good to pray for God to bless you. But a push has limited effects. If I was to push this arrow, it would look kind of pathetic. And if I really tried and I prayed hard, God, no, push me, push me, push me, push me. I could really put effort into it. But I'm still not going to get anywhere close to my mark. I have no hope, and I could do it again and again and again, and I could pray for blessing after blessing and breakthrough after breakthrough, but a push, my friends, can only get you so far in this life. There is something else, though, that can take you a lot farther in this walk, and that, my friends, is not a push, but a stretch. Malik, you okay over there? You got that drum shield, right? That's not for acoustics, bro. That's for another reason. <laughs> a push might get me there, but if I was to release this bad boy, which has rubber on it, and Malik is a good young man that I will not harm, okay? This arrow 
could easily go to that target. In fact, it could go all the way to that wall in the back. I ain't going to aim it. Don't worry. See, to push is one thing, but when you are stretched, you see that right there? When you are stretched, my friends, you have an ability to go so much farther. See, you have been viewing this resistance as God abandoning you. You have been viewing this stretching season that all 2,000 of you put your hands up as an attack of the enemy, as I've been forgotten. Why, God, am I going through this? God, make it stop. Why am I being stretching? But what if, what if the very stretching that you are going through right now was the only thing that would prepare you for your sending? What if the stretching season that you are in right now was preparation for you to hit the mark that is ahead of you and before you? What if your stretching was not a curse, but it was a blessing? Do you see it? See, King Jehoash, he didn't see it, so Elijah had to show it to him. But here's the thing you got to understand. When you're being stretched, and you all put your hands up, that you're being stretched, that you're going through it, that you're in it right now. When you're being stretched, the devil starts to freak out, man. The devil starts to freak out. And let me tell you why. When this is all you got, look how pathetic that was. The devil ain't scared of that. A little push ain't going to stop him. But when the devil sees you start to get stretched, and sees you start to getting equipped with all the tools that you're going to need to end him, when the devil sees this, he knows that he is one second away from another arrow of victory coming in his side. And the devil cannot have this happen. So what I'm trying to tell you tonight with this bow and with this arrow is that you have thought because you're being stretched and because you're being met with resistance at your job, in your finances, in your relationships, in your friendships, because you've been going through all this that God has left you and he doesn't care about you, I'm trying to give you a new perspective. What if this stretching was preparation for your sending? The devil can't have it. He gets terrified. So let me show you what he wants you to do. And this is for every single one of you that put your hand up. See, this is okay for a few seconds. I can handle it. But this is a 30-pound draw. That's what an archer calls this, a draw, by the way, when you pull it. You know, we pray to God, Lord, just draw me near you. Draw me. And we think it's going to be a warm hug. This is what drawing near to God feels like. This is what it looks like to be drawn by God. This is painful. And after a couple minutes, already my forearm is starting to shake. And if you left me here for another five minutes, I would start to say, Lord, I can't be stretched anymore. God, these kids, this job, these finances, I, I, I can't hold the tension anymore. And in that moment, right before you are about to be released is when the devil will come to you and he will tell you a lie. He will say, the only way that you can stop feeling that tension, that pull, is to do what? Sorry, bro. Is to cut off from God. Because you've been feeling guilty 
about that sin. But if you just stop following God, you won't feel guilty anymore. Oh, and you've been abandoned by God. That's why you feel that stretch and that pain. Just cut off, and you won't feel the stretch or the pain anymore. There's a serious problem with what I just did. And there's a serious problem for you in your life if you accept what the devil is saying to you in the season you're being stretched. I have no hope of hitting the mark now. I am robbed of the place and the peace and the fulfillment that God has for me. Because I've cut off from him. And I'm not talking about losing your salvation. I'm talking about stopping your walk. Going, nah, church, I don't do that anymore. Forgive? Do you know what he did? No way. I'm talking about stop putting in the work while you're stretched. See, the devil wants to get you to a point where you're suffering so much in that stretch and that tension that you'll be like what Job's wife said to him. Job, why don't you just curse God and die? That, this is how the enemy wants you because this is no threat to him. This can't do anything to him anymore because it's no longer attached to the might of God. So my friends, when you are stretched, stay attached. Don't let go. Think of the life of Joseph. I'm not talking Joseph, husband of Mary. I'm talking Joseph who had the fancy coat. You know that was the only sin that Joseph committed, eh? Was being loved by his father being blessed with a fancy coat that his brother didn't have. And you know what that got him? It got him thrown into the pit to be left for dead, but then only to be sold into slavery. But then only to be, after fulfilling his duties well, lied about and falsely accused and put in prison. That is stretch after stretch after stretch. And through all of that, he could have just cut off. He could have detached. He could have given up on God. I don't do that anymore. I don't do church anymore. I don't follow God anymore. I'm not in a relationship with him anymore. But he didn't. And you know where the pit took him? It took him to be prince. It made him the second most powerful man in the entire world. He became the governor of Egypt. All because he didn't curse God for the stretching. So friends, you got to understand tonight that that stretching season that you are in, I know it's hard. I know it's rough. I know it has produced tears. And I know you don't know why right now it's happening. But Genesis 50, chapter, chapter 50, verse 20, Joseph held on. He stayed attached. And he got to say this. He got to say, you intended it to harm me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. Amen. Don't cut off just because you're feeling the stretch. Don't give up on that marriage just because you're feeling the stretch. Amen. The Pentecostals are identifying themselves tonight. Praise the Lord. Where y'all been for seven seasons? The stretching is not punishment. The stretching is preparing you for the sending. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm still attached. Tell him, I'm stretched. It hurts. 
but I'm still attached. And there is nothing the enemy could ever do to make me detach my love for Christ and the God who made me, who got up on a cross and died for my sin. I'm not letting go because I'm getting ready to be sent. There's something else you need to know from that chapter 13 of 2 Kings that we read. That when you are in the stretching, though it endures maybe for a short period, maybe for a long period, maybe for years, you are not alone in the stretching. You are not alone in the tension. Verse 16 said, take the bow. Take the bow, Jehoash. And when he took it, what happened? Elijah... Elijah, the ambassador for God, the prophet for God, put his hand on the king's hand. While you are being stretched and while you are in the tension, the enemy wants you to think you've been abandoned, but his hand is still on you, child. His hand has never left you. He will never forsake you or abandon you. He stays closer than a brother. Don't believe the lie that because it hurts right now, you've been left. You are getting ready to be sent. And then when you get sent, you got to understand something about this analogy, this picture that we're drawing. When that time comes and you're sent and you reach that mark, which by the way, that mark, Jesus Christ, is filled with a peace that surpasses all understanding. Anybody want that? That's filled with a joy that you have no matter the season. That's filled with fulfillment and purpose. When you get there, what you end up realizing in this picture that is strewn all across this stage is that you're not the archer. You're not the one in control. You're not the one that gets to draw. You're just the arrow. But when the arrow is sent and it hits the mark, we got to give the glory to the one who sent us there. And I'm telling you this because you are going to be sent there. This isn't a fluffy prosperity gospel. This is a promise from God. He has good plans for you, not to harm you, but to prosper you and give you a future. So you're getting there, and I need you to know that when you get there, you got to give him the glory. And you got to keep going because he's not just going to send you once. He's not just going to send you twice. The king struck the ground with the arrow only three times. And the prophet said to him, why did you stop? And you know, we don't get an answer from the king, but you know what I think I would say? I would say, because that's stupid. An arrow wasn't meant to strike the ground. An arrow was meant to fly. How many of us, we stop because it doesn't make sense? God tells us to go and do something, but we say, no, no, God, that's not my career. No, no, God, this is not what marriage was supposed to look like. No, 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 I'm just going to stop. And Elijah said, keep striking. The apostle Paul said, keep pressing towards the mark. You, my friends, got to keep going even when it doesn't make sense, because I know you know what you want, but guess what? Your God knows what you need. And he will give you what you need every single step of the way. And here's the thing. Years from now, we're almost done. Years from now, you will look back and say, my God, when I was in that abandonment, I never knew that it was the stretch I needed to get where he had for me. 
When that person betrayed me, I could never see that it was a blessing, but I see it now. Your testimony will be that of Joseph. They meant it for harm. The enemy put the target on your back to harm you, but God turned your stretching for your good, and not just your good, for the good of others and for the glory of God. That will be your testimony if you stay attached. You can't cut God out. you got to stay attached so that you can see the breakthrough that he has for you. Joseph's life, if no pit, no prince. By the way, if no prince, no more Israel because a famine came and they all would have died if Joseph didn't become prince and make plans for the famine. Oh, and by the way, no Israel, no Moses. No Moses, no split seas, no judges, no David, no David, no son of David. You know who that was? Jesus Christ. No Jesus Christ, no heaven for Ryan McVitie. Because I have sinned and fallen short of the mark, and so have you. But that pit, that stretch that Joseph was in, allowed not just the good for him to become prince, it's still blessing me today through Jesus Christ. And he could have in that moment, he could have done what was said to Job, just curse God. It'll be a lot easier. Just, just, just give up the fight. Curse God and turn back. The world tells you that every day. Find you. Find the, find the real you. Follow your feelings. Follow your heart. Don't follow your God and your creator. My friends, don't follow your feelings. Follow the one who created you. The one who designed you. The one who gave you a purpose. Stay attached. The release is coming. The launch is coming. The target is still ahead of you. Your best days are still ahead of you. Someone in this room needs to know that, that your best days are still ahead of you. God is not done with you yet. I don't care if you're 25 or 75. He has more for you if you will stay attached. Just keep pressing. Just keep stretching. Just keep striking, pressing towards the mark. Paul knew that. He got it. That's why he said in Philippians 3, but one thing I do, forgetting all those other things which are behind me, all those things that I've done, forgetting all that, if there's one thing I do, it is reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the mark, which is the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. That is what it's all about. Stay in the game a little longer. Endure the stretching because that's where you're going. The stretching, my friends, is the only way to get to that mark. You can't get there on your own. You're going to have to go through the stretching, but you will not be alone in it. I don't mean to discourage you. I mean to encourage you that you do not to need to fear the stretch, the resistance anymore because the creator of the universe is there with you. Would you stand up to your feet because it's time that we now worship that one that we're talking about. And look, I want to be careful. Thank you. I want to be careful because some of you are not warming up a hamstring. Some of you have been stretched to the point where you don't know if you'll make it to tomorrow morning. I promise you that's someone's testimony in this room right now. There's someone that is not sure if they can make it through till tomorrow.
I want to just tell you, though, you will. Though your weeping may endure for a little while, there will be joy in the morning. You will see it come. And the stretch is hard. But think of the stretch that your Savior endured. The Son of God, fully omnipotent, all-powerful, able to do anything, was stretched from one side of the cross to the other. And nails were placed in his two hands. And the face that was on his mind in that moment was yours. He loved you that much. And he still loves you that much. And if he was willing to endure that stretch, friends understand that at any moment, he could have said stop. And the pain would have stopped instantly because he was the son of God in the flesh. But he didn't say stop with one breath and instead he did something else. He endured the pain until his final breath. And he did it for you. He did it for me so that you could have freedom, freedom from oppression. That King Jehoash, what he got for the Israelites in this victory was freedom from oppression. The stretching you're in is going to precipitate the freedom of your oppression. So tonight is just an encouragement. Don't give up, child. Please don't give up. Someone's been thinking about giving up. And I don't know if that means their life, their relationship, their program, their job, their marriage. Don't give up. Your stretching will be used for his glory. You will see your mark. If he could endure that stretch on the cross for you, you can endure this stretch that you're in right now. And you're not alone in it. He will put his hand on your bow. He will be with you every step of the way. And when the stretch is over, and when your flight begins, and you take off and you are sent, you can give glory to the one who aimed you, the one who placed you, the one who stretched you but never took his hand off of you, and the one who then sent you. Your stretching is not your failure. It's the beginning of your breakthrough. So go to the altar right now. We're going to worship. We're going to begin right now. And go to the Lord in this moment. Say, God, I don't know why I'm being stretched, but I trust you in it. And I'm not going anywhere. I'm standing on the only rock that will keep me up. You get to do that right now in your worship. Remember, that cross gave you freedom. Claim it right now as we worship him. Let's worship.